It's the Where's Jesus podcast. Ah, yes. Ah, Love that ice cream. Ah, you have a Rubian cube, huh? A Rubian cube of ice cream? The dude from episode one. Oh, you have the something cube. The dice. And then then uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi would... Oh, you have the Nubian cube, huh? It was uh, Anakin's handler. Yeah, whatever, the the cube. Yeah. (laughs) And, um... Well, that's a good reference. I appreciate that. (laughs) But hey, um, Chris Cornaros. Hey, bro. Dude, what is up? It's so good to be here. You know, you never should have left Austin. Um, That's a great... That's a great starting point for this this episode. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, no problem. But you know that you want to move to Charleston, South Carolina as well, because I, it's God country. You know, I left Austin because I didn't really want to leave, but God told me to go. Mm. When you when when Papa says go, you go. You do it. You know? Yeah. And I know you were feeling a little bit of uh, missing me. Oh, that can happen. You know, it pro- <laughs> you know, I probably would. You know, a little maybe. <laughs> Well, you know, we miss the George family. Yeah. You guys, you guys are awesome. You guys are out there living your yeah. best life, though. Over there in Charleston now. Charleston's a great place. Oh, my Love gosh. That city. Dude, if you have not been there, go. I have been. Like, I know, well, yeah. You actually told me about some awesome restaurants there. Right. Charleston's the only city, not the only city, the only place in the world I've ever been that I just decided that it was okay to be fat. <laughs> And I was sitting at Vicious Biscuit. Oh, I've been and there. And the wife and I with our kids, we had a gaggle of kids. We did a four-month road trip, trip some years back. We went everywhere in the U.S. that we knew people. And we were sitting in Vicious Biscuit. And I'm, I'm, we were there from Nicaragua where the food is, I mean, I apologize, um, all you Nikos out there, but it, it's, it's not the same, you know? Hmm. We were missing a lot of stuff. And so I was slowly getting bigger over this four-month period. And it was bothering <laughs> me, and I was feeling quite a bit of body shame road trips bro and then i got to vicious biscuit and i was sitting there eating these biscuits and i was looking around at the good old boys eating them and they were robust (laughs) and i realized like i'm okay with being fat (laughs) (laughs) now i went on a road trip for a year as well yeah in 2021 2022 and i noticed at the end of eight nine months i was also getting becoming a larger man yeah a bigger like a bigger boy <laughs> uh you're feeling some body shame being in the south eating it's a little, so good the biscuits yeah. are so good what they do with them the different flavors and they've ruined me for biscuits there's a biscuit place <laughs> here um in austin and i just i don't do other biscuits i'll just wait till i go back to charleston i don't need another biscuit yeah man but anyway, um, tell us about, you know, tell us about Chris Cornaro. So you and I met a couple of years ago here in Austin. We hit it off. But um, who is this? Who is this Chris Cornaro? You know that old uh, TV show? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you with the deep. Yeah. That's me, bro. The past year, people are like, dude, Chris, where are you? Yeah. I pop in Austin. I'm in Seattle. I'm in Charleston. I'm in Nashville. And you like it that way. You like to keep your fans guessing. Like, where are you at? What are you up oh, to? Oh, yeah, man. Who knows where Chris is at? Yeah, I told my wife the other day, every six months I get itchy. What's it? Itchy hands? Itchy ears? Itchy feet? When you want to travel? What's it called? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's itching specifically on your body. It's itchy feet. Itchy I feet. I believe it's itchy feet. Itchy feet. feet. Uh, yeah. So I get, you know, I like traveling. Right. Uh, when we were kids, 
my dad my dad uh, immigrated from Greece to okay. the U.S. Yeah. So we had a summer home in Crete, island of Crete. Wow. So we'd go there every two years for like a month and just nice. be at the beach. Nice. So it's like, as a kid, we were always moving. That explains, that explains a lot about you, I feel. You, when you grow up with that formative, like, you know, go and hang out for the summer and chill for a while. Because you're a pretty chill guy. You know how to have a good time. You know how to relax. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You know how to be still. When you, ooh. Ooh. I did it. Talking my language. Yeah, yeah. Dad. Yeah. When you go into like Europe, right? Like mm-hmm. siestas in Spain and and in Greece, they're like everyone in the afternoon is sleeping. They're taking naps. Okay, so I spent some time in Greece years ago in 2004. I was there for the Olympic Games and did a Ooh. like a um, Olympic Games outreach facilitating with YWAM and all of that. Oh, and cool. I was shocked. I'm like, these Greeks know something that we don't know about life. <laughs> Wake up, you go to work around 9, 10, but more like 10. You work for a little bit, you get some souvlaki, uh-huh. you know, and then you take that siesta time, you go back to work a little bit, and then you go out and go to dinner. And I thought, man, they have tapped into something about life because I'm just working hard all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it all came crashing down, like, six years later. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> we, we can't, you, we cannot sustain... Um, you know, yeah. certain cultures work harder than American culture. Right. But um, my father-in-law came from New Zealand and he, he came over here as a pastor and they're like, Hey, you're going to get your standard two weeks off. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. In New Zealand, we get four weeks off. Hmm. He's like, I'm not taking this job until, unless I get four weeks. Cause you we got just, it. yeah, we push ourselves so hard. Two weeks is not going to, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You know, but we do. I mean, most people live their life that way here. Yeah, man. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so yeah, tell, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit, you know, give us a little bit about you. Yeah, bro. Uh, born and raised, uh, in the San Francisco Bay area to a big fat Greek family. Nice. And I'll tell you what, when you watch the big fat Greek wedding, I mean, they nailed it. You know why they nailed it? Uh, is because when I was in the theater watching it with my girlfriend at the time, everyone's laughing and I wasn't laughing at all. <laughs> You're getting triggered. Yeah, I was getting like, why is everyone Damn laughing? Boy. <laughs> why is everyone laughing at this movie? It's yeah. because they just they they just nailed it so well, and I'm like, this was actually my family. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. So I found myself, I found myself like. Wanting to get out of my house all the time because it was always so loud. Oh, right. And I'm like, I can't, this, I can't like live in this space. I guarantee you that my children feel that way. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, gosh. Four, four, five kids? I don't remember. <laughs> Six. I think I have five. Uh, but you, your growing up was wild, huh? A lot of action. Yeah, man. Like uh, a lot of, just a lot of noise in the house. And so I always found myself retreating outside. And, um, you know, we went to church every week and, um, did you like it? I, I found myself detached, Ooh. you know, just suffer through. Oh, it's sitting there in the, in the church pew and, and they're going through that. I'm falling asleep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I found myself not wanting to be there, not wanting the Jesus that they were talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, quick cell phone reference here. Yeah, I just want to get Stand under my everybody. phones real quick. Stand by, everybody. Um, 
We'll edit this out. No, no, no. This is this is in. <laughs> Going live for thoughts. I was thinking about this today. Uh, you know, the Jesus that my parents showed me was not the Jesus that I wanted, hmm. Ben. And um, it was, you know, growing up in in my home, sometimes my dad would uh, take me to work with him all the time. He was a house painter. He's like, Chris, we're going to work. And I'd be on the job and he'd say phrases to me like, Christo, I'm so proud of you. You're my favorite boy. <laughs> and then you Christo? Christo, that's how <laughs> yes. he calls me. Yeah. And then in the next, the next phrase, an hour or 20 minutes later, he'd be like, Christo, you good for nothing. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? And, it, and I realized when I was getting older, it started triggering me. Yeah. Oh, really? Like as a child? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> why would that trigger you at all? Yeah, as like yeah, a you, formative child. You don't know if your dad loves or hates you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like this in one hand, he's happy. And then the next hand he's, um, and he'd say, he'd say this phrase and I'm not putting my dad down at all. Sure. Because if, if I were to tell you about his story, you, you would understand. Right. Uh, but he called me a lousy good for nothing. Yeah. Right. Gosh. But in, in 20 minutes later, he'd say, I'm so proud of you. And so, so I, I had this feeling of I was never good enough. Mm. And when I went to church, I felt the same thing, right. that I was never good enough. And um, I want to tell you a story of a friend of mine who was a worship pastor at a church in San Diego. And uh, the tithing and the giving that week were really low. And so the, the, when they had a meeting after, after the service the next day, they're like, how'd you feel service went? You know, how was the worship preaching? And, and the pastor says to my friend, do you know why uh, giving was so low this weekend? Your worship wasn't good enough. Oh, God, no. The, he's uh, serious? Yeah, this was very serious. Wow. And, you know, I think he stayed on for another eight months and then moved on. Yeah. So there's that, that same theme, that same thought of, of you're not good enough. And you grew up, you grew up with that. It was always, I grew up with that as always well. Always there. And yeah. so, so, so imagine that um, if you try to approach God that way, because I had that, that in the back of my mind, I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I always couldn't approach him. Right. You know? And, um, and so. There's something fundamental there, I feel, about how a lot of us grew up, that grew up in the church, mm -hmm. is there's always more to do. You can always do better. And I remember as I matured, became an adult, I realized I had what I called, I called it like a, like a guilt deficit. Like I always had to be guilty about something. Mm. And if I would fix something, like if I, pay, I had a bill that needed to be paid and it was late, I would fix it. I was like, okay, I paid, paid the bill. Something else comes right into that spot. I realized I constantly need to feel guilty. Like that's my operating system is guilt. And I started to try and change that. <laughs> but I think you could just grow up that way. And it sounds some, wow. somewhat similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think I'm still working through that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's easier to talk about it. Pretend it's past. Just say past tense and then, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, it, you know, the way I came to Christ was it was fear. fear you know, in, in little kings... King King's Kids Church. You were a King's Kids guy. King's Kid. Oh and uh, it's, yeah. it, you, if you don't want to go to hell, yeah, you need to come to Jesus moment. Right. But I got you know I didn't want to go to hell every week. 
we right. had service. So I got saved every every Wednesday night. And if you never want to go to hell, you might as well keep going. <laughs> and so so there's this fear. Mm-hmm. I was talking with someone about this the other day. You know, how much fear do I live with? A lot. I wake up sometimes and I'm like, fear is right there mm-hmm. at my door mm-hmm. knocking. And, um, you know, some days I wake up, I feel so fragile. And I'm like, God, I need you. Wow. And uh, the guilt, the fear, it's always like, always tries to come back, always tries to linger, you know. And, yeah. and man, I need, I need God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so in that, in that, um, I had to realize, how do I grow out of this fear as a Christian? How do I, because fear is the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. right and perfect love casts out fear i need more love mm-hmm. how do i get rid of this fear in my life and so i had to start learning not to let fear rule me because i wanted to hear god's voice and i couldn't hear him through the filter of fear right my friend said to me the other day he's like chris we filter god's voice through everything in our lives we filter it through our idols so if you were asked to ask god a question like god i need a new car and if you're filtering it through uh, a fear of he may not provide one, right? Then you're you're filtering what you're hearing. Yeah. And so, so I've had to learn through many years to un unhear his voice through fear. And it takes a lot of stillness and a lot of pain, a lot of sitting in awkwardness with God hmm. to try to fight after that thing. Um. Yeah. Well, you got it. You figured it out? I'm, I'm, I'm still getting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. So when did, when did these moments, you know, when did things start to change for you? You grew up that way as a child and then, and then what happened? When did you start to meet the Lord? Yeah, man, I, I, uh, <laughs> so I didn't want the, I didn't want the Jesus that my parents were kind yeah. of dishing out me. A lot of rules, a lot of no's, yeah. a lot of, you can't hang out with these friends. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm like, forget church for a year. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with anyone I want to, all the friends I'm not supposed to that my mom didn't want me to hang out with. And man, I just lost the peace of God in my life. Yeah. Like I was saved, but like I ran and I didn't want him anymore. And then after eight months, I'm like, I felt this deficit. I felt so dry. How old are you at this time? 16. Okay. And um, funny enough, I was at a service. And I was at one of the, one of those power team guys who breaks bricks. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> they ripped the phone book. Ripped and, the phone book. Yeah, and then they lead you to Jesus, bro. And I, man, and then and then watch me rip this phone book. <laughs> watch Jesus save your soul, bro. <laughs> and uh, I didn't hear I didn't hear anything that was going on the whole time. Yeah. And at the end of his message, his name was Donnie Moore, and um, he's like, "You want to burn in hell for eternity? No, sir." <laughs> It was like the same voice from the guy in, uh, I'm Rex Quando. <laughs> Do you want to burn an hell for eternity? <laughs> no. And uh, he Rex Quando'd me, man. I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to. And then he had everyone go up to the front. And I'm like, I'm not going up there. I'm not. If, G- if I can do Jesus right here in the chair. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, he met me, man. In the chair. In the chair. I put my head down. I'm like, Lord, I want you. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, I tell you what, I felt so new 
I'm like, my first thought in my mind was, I must look different. I have to look different yeah. because I feel so different. Good. I ran to the bathroom yeah. looking at my face for two minutes, yeah. touching it, smushing it. No way. And I'm like, what just happened to me? Like, I felt scales. What are you feeling? Like, you're, what are you actually feeling? Because that's like, that sounds to me like someone who, you know, is like high on weed. You're touching your face. Like, was my face the same? Yeah, man. What I don't are you know. physically feeling? I've never, like, I've never been high on weed, but I'll, I'll, I was, I felt no, alive, No, that was all man. theoretical. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I was not speaking from experience. <laughs> I was talking about a buddy of mine who knew a guy who had tried it one time in his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to go on record. I want to go on record. <laughs> no, but what, what are you feeling? Like, what's really going on? Oh, Why man. are you, like, rubbing your face? Yeah. Uh, what was going on with that man? Well, that it's like, imagine you're, um, imagine you're at the bottom of a swimming pool with yep. a 500-pound weight on you. Okay. And someone finally pulls it off. Okay. And you swim to the top. You jump out of that pool. You're gasping for air. Wow. And your body's, like, tingly. The tinglies. Yep. And, like, and you could, like, breathe again. Like, it's like I came out of this one year not being able to breathe. Wow. And, and then like, man, I just, I was instantly changed. Wow. When they, when you hear those testimonies like that, I had this instant transformation. I mean, I, I was on phone calls with friends a week or two later. They're like, Chris, you sound different. You're not the same. Awesome. What happened to you? Yeah. And they would say to me, I liked the old Chris. <sighs> Gosh. And I'm like, you're out of my life. Yeah. You're not bringing this Chris down. Chris got the tingles. <laughs> oh, it was good, man. It just, and I'm like, God, I want more of you. Yeah. And uh, I found myself uh, quite zealous. You know, that, that scripture says, uh, um, do not be so zealous that you're hasty and miss the way. Okay. I got so zealous for God. I'm like, God, what are we going to do? Let's go. Yeah. What do you want to do? And he's yeah. like, slow down, Chris slow down. And, uh, it, what's funny is I, um, I had this thing where I wasn't a great listener to people and God said to teach me over the years, teach me how to listen to people. Well, I always mm -hmm. talked all the time mm -hmm. and my friends would call me three steps too far. Cornaros. Yep. Always crossing the line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so I had to learn to like, learn to be a better listener, not talk so much. And um, so funny how we grow and God humbles us in many different ways. Most males need to learn that lesson, I think. It's just one of those things that if you never learn to listen, you got to get it. Yeah, man. And, and um, years later, in 2018, I moved from Seattle to Austin. Okay. And oh, uh, Wow, I didn't realize that. You must have <laughs> told me years ago, Seattle to Austin, when you were 18 years old. No, in 2018. Oh, okay, yeah, I get my numbers bad. And, 2018, uh, yeah, I knew that. So, well, before I jump into that, yeah, I got saved and then um, lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, had a painting business. Right. Um, then um, heard about the big thing that was happening up in Bethel Redding. For sure. Went there for three years, met my wife, moved to Seattle for eight years, and then... And then God was like, hey, you're moving to Austin. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. And he's like, you're going. And uh, a month after I get there, uh, my closest friend dies. One of my mm. best friends dies. Right. Before, uh, on the eve, a few days, well, a couple months before he turned 40. 
And um, if you're never faced with a challenge like a death, mm-hmm. then, then, you know, you may not fully understand what I'm talking about right now, but anyone who has lost a family member, you know the grieving process. And um, I was laid out on my back, man, for, for months at a time. Uh, and um, I learned to listen really well in, in those moments hmm. to people, to God. You start being thankful for small things like thankful that you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> the things you took for granted before mm-hmm. when you lose something in your life, you're like, man, I am just happy to like wake up today. You know? Yeah. So this is when I'm, uh, this is 2018. I met you in 2020. So I met you two, two years after that. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're, you're grieving. You're, um, what's going on? What's going on with you at that time? You questioning stuff or what's going on in your head? Yeah. I never, you know, I never was challenged before with the, the thought of, do I really think God is good? Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, why did you take my best friend? Yeah. And, um, you felt like he had taken him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think he, I think he, um, I think if my friend had to face what we all had to face in 2020, 2021, I don't think he would have gone well, done it well. And, um, Wait, if he had a face in 2020? If he had a face, what what oh, the world had, faced. If he would have had to face it in 2020, your buddy, yeah, he would yeah. have liked it? He would have not. But it would be better to face it. I mean, it's a, be there, though. Yeah, it's a crazy long story of why I think God took him. Oh, okay. So you still think God took him? Yeah. Oh, Which, wow. I mean, we could get into, but I don't think. That is, <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised to hear that. I haven't heard that too much from Christians that are like, I think God. T- I think it was God's plan. Yeah, you want me to get into it? Sure, break it down for me. Um. So I asked God, "My, like, why'd you take my friend?" Yeah. And and I heard him say, "I did not want him to fulfill the plans he had in his heart. I did not want him to fulfill the plans he had in his heart." And so, if you know the backstory, um. My friend uh, just wanted to kind of like detach from the world. Uh-huh. He he bought a plot of land, took his family out there, and was like very anti-government. I'm gonna go hide in the mountains. He would have loved 2020. <laughs> <laughs> he would have hit out really well. He'd have been an Instagram star. And uh, <laughs> he's got he already started the lifestyle before because well, a lot of people started to have that urge. Yeah. yeah, and so it was. It was actually a kind of a, I think a dark, dark place for him where he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't want to um, deal with stuff, and he went he went to go hide. Yeah, and I'm um, like, um, it's it's crazy to think God would take people, but um, I think sometimes he he wants to spare some people from certain things. Hmm. Um, I can't think of any biblical stories to back that up. <laughs> I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to prove stuff um, in the Bible to for it to be what God did. Well, that that can go, yeah, many different ways. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. Um, 
I don't think that the Bible is a way for us to make sure we know exactly how God operates. I think the Bible leads us to who he is. Mm. And then, because if you think about who he is, like his nature is infinite. I believe that. I believe there's just so much to him that you keep discovering. How can one book contain what he would do? How can we find like a roadmap for life? Mm-hmm. There's going to be principles in there that he's never going to, you know, God is good. You know, there's principles about like who he is and he, he shows us his nature and his character and different stuff about him. But it's not like if something happens in your life, you like go find, go look to the manual and find where it lined up and this happened before. And then, you know. Yeah. I mean, you think about people that aren't healed, right? Mm-hmm. People die of cancer and you're like, I prayed for that person and they still died. Yeah. And um, it's something we all have to wrestle with. And and if you have family members that are have physical ailments, and you're like, "Where's God in this?" Yeah, it's man, it's it's, it's hard to look at for me sometimes. And and I kind of turn and run from it a lot because I'm like, I don't like pain. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but um. You know, I was working on a project in the back of my house one year yep. in Seattle. We're building a new deck on my backyard. And I, I told my friend I said that I was building it with, I said, hey, man, I just had this realization this week that God doesn't want me to be comfortable. And I've been trying to be comfortable my whole life. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how long have you been a Christian? I was like, 20 years. He's like, yep, that's about right. That's about the right time of uh, when you realize that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was just trying to live. I was trying to live for comfort, not yeah. have pain in my life, okay. and just be a happy Christian. Yeah. But God's like, no, man, we need to. Uh, you know, I was I was swimming one day uh, last summer uh, in in our swimming community swimming pool, and I'm in the deep end. And I was talking to the Lord. This is how I talk to God. I'm just doing life. Yeah. And just talking to him. I was swimming. I'm in the deep end. And, and I said, man, I said something to God. And his response was, Chris, I've been throwing you in the deep end your whole life. Hmm. And it's like, <laughs> he wants us to grow. Yeah. Like, he, he, if if I was in the kiddie pool my whole life as a comfortable Christian, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not going to grow there. Yeah. And, um, God is always wanting to push me out of my comfort zones, move me forward into a new place with him. So he's like, I'm always throwing you in the deep end. I'm always going to throw you in the deep end. Yeah. And I'm like, by myself? (laughs) Where are you right now? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. So this process, uh, this process you were going through was pretty formative for you with your buddy passing away. Yeah, I um I I found myself um um just lying there for um hours at a time on my lazy boy. Mm-hmm. And uh I'd get up in the morning super depressed. I told my wife I need to go back to bed and lie down. I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm really sad. Mm-hmm. Very suic I was suicidal at the time. And I'm like, God, where are you? I'm gonna take my life. Like, I need you to show up. And I'd hear nothing. Huh. How long did that go on? Uh, a few weeks, okay. months. What changed for you? So I was in Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I was doing some remodeling on my house during the time. And uh, I heard this song playing over the speaker. It said, 
Sometimes I feel like giving up, giving up, giving up. Sometimes I feel like giving up. I was like, and I felt this darkness come over me. Mm. I'm like, what is happening to me right now? And um, long story short, I went home. I was praying the next day. And um, I heard God say to me, he's like, Chris, I want you to stop focusing on what I'm not doing in your life. And I want you to start focusing on what I am doing in your life. Mm -hmm. And so, so often we put our mindset on what God's not doing for us. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, we, we always, not everyone, but I'm always like, well, he hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. And it's, it's so hard to focus on what he is doing. Yeah. Do you find that out in your own life? Yeah. I think it's easy to, you look at something that you need or you have something that you want or just the daily struggle, the grind of whatever your, whatever your daily grind is. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, how do I better myself or how do I, you know, make the money I need to make to support my family or whatever thing you're focused on that you feel like you need something. I think those things can easily take up more brain space because they're more immediate. And so for sure, it's like your my natural lean might be to like spend time worrying about stuff. I feel like for me, it's un, it's a little bit more unnatural just to let go and just like trust and believe. So that's a process too that, that I think I've gone through in my whole life. So I remember when we, when we first moved to Nicaragua, there was so much that would just come along and we would need this or that. And we would just pray. And I would, I was just starting to teach my kids, like, let's just pray. You know, we need something. And, and I would tell them like, remember when we didn't have a vehicle and we just needed a way to get around and we just asked God like, Hey, can we, you know, can we get a vehicle? Wow. And then we got a truck. We were able to get a truck. And it's just, a, it was just like one thing after another, that um, God had me on a journey where I was learning, like he's always going to provide. And mm. so at a certain point after he does it again and again, you kind of lose the excuse to not believe anymore. And you just have to trust like God actually has me on a plan. Cause sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't see, if you don't see the end from the beginning, then you don't see what he's doing. But when you get to where he wants you to be in terms of um, like, he lined those things up for a number of years and they all happened. In hindsight, you could see like, whoa, the timing was amazing. But when you're in the middle of it, you just have to believe and trust. So I definitely agree with you on that. You know, I was talking to uh, my friend's daughter the other day and, and she was just talking about the little things she prays for. Hmm. Where she's like, God, I just, you know, uh, I can't afford this this pair of jeans that I want, but if you can have someone give it to me or I find it at the thrift store for really cheap, then that'd be awesome. Yeah. And those things start showing up Crazy. in her life. I remember we moved to uh, Charleston and I'm like, man, I want a grill. God, mm -hmm. I want a new grill or not, but I'm not going to go out and spend full price for one. Mm -hmm. I either want one free or a really good deal. And I start mm -hmm. praying for a free one. I'm like, Lord, just send me a free grill. I'd, I'd, I'd love a free grill right now, please. And like two hours later, I go outside, no joke, in the cul-de-sac next to where the house is, this guy puts his grill on the street, Dang! puts the cover on it. And I'm like, why is that guy's grill on the street? 
And then I go inside, come back out a couple hours later. It says it's got a free sign on it. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, I brought it home, bought a propane tank, hooked it up. It works. Crazy. I'm like, the, the, like that little stuff. I was like, dude, God hears me. Yeah. And um, so often, sometimes I pray and I'm like, where is this prayer going? Like, Sometimes you you send those prayers up and you're like, dude, I don't know what this is going. What's this? It's going to happen with this one. Am yeah. I going to get a response? Yeah, I think he cares about the small stuff and he, yeah, he wants us to. I think it's a couple things. I think he cares about it, but he also wants us to know that that he's there. You know, he's going to just like do small stuff like that just to show you, like, hey, I'm I'm real. Like I care about you. It's beautiful, man. I love that. It's beautiful. You know, when I, and while we we're on the topic of talking to God, you know, sometimes I go, when I go in to pray, whenever, any time of day it is, I go sit in my master bedroom, I sit there and I talk to God. And I, and I had this thought, like, when I come in there with a list of demands and requests, mm-hmm. I could almost feel, I don't know how to explain this. I can almost feel, sense and hear him saying to my heart. Are you here just rat to rattle off your list? Mm-hmm. And I started learning that the first thing I need to do with God is to connect rather than to start asking. And it had it 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 became this transitioning point in my walk with God where um I wanted uh, he started teaching me just to come to sit and listen. Yeah. And um Sometimes I'll go and talk to God and, and sit with him in the mornings and and um, that thought crosses my mind. He's like, Chris, are you just here to, to read off your list or are you here to connect with me? Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, everything will shift in your life when you're, that relationship takes that jump yeah. from agenda praying to relationship conversational talking. Yeah, when did that start for you? Uh, around the time, yeah, my friend passed away. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have really anything to say to God at certain times, and I'd just be lying there mm-hmm. and listening. And so in the sitting and the listening, I, I would just I just start hearing him more. You know, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, when you go to the house of God, Come, come near to listen, not to speak. Mm-hmm. And there's a scripture in Revelation 8. It says, there was a silence in heaven for 30 minutes. And if you think about that, everything stopped in heaven yeah. for 30 minutes. There was no worship. Elders weren't singing yeah. before the throne. And then right after that, if you read it, in Revelation 8, it says... Then prayers were offered after the 30-minute silence. And I'm like, is this a key to something? Hmm. Is this a key to hearing, talking to God? Is he saying, come before me quiet and then pray? And so I start realizing there was this pattern of, wow, uh, my time with God's so much more fruitful when I come to be with him and sit not to ran off my list, but to sit and listen. Right. And when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount talks about 
uh, the Lord's Prayer right before it. He says, don't be like the pagans who just keep babbling. Right. We want to come to the Lord and babble sometimes. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Hey, can I have one of these? Can I I'm pray for this verse? This, this. He's like, hey, come come before me and sit to listen. Did it, that start to like transform the way you interacted with God? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, <clears throat> you just wrote a book about all this too, right? The um, yep. book, and it goes into a lot of this sort of stuff. It goes into a lot of that. Busyness. You know, Seth, who you had on your first uh, podcast, yeah. he, he sends out a, a email subscription thing, um, newsletter. And one of the newsletters was uh, diving into the Lord's Prayer on that thought of um, uh, deliver us from evil. Right. And, and, and whoever, he did a study on the word evil. Mm-hmm. And that word evil means full of labors. Mm. And the word temptation means there specifically an attack on the mind. Mm-hmm. An attack on the mind, and so what I deduced from those passages was it's, it's saying, "Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." It's saying, yeah. "Lead us not into a life full of busy thoughts, but deliver us from that." Yeah, deliver us into rest, not a life that's so full that we can't slow down and stop and be with God. Right. <laughs> you know, you talk to people and they're like, "I don't have time." to be quiet. I don't have time to be still. Mm -hmm. I'm a single mom. I'm raising two kids. I heard this story of a doctor tell a single mom raising two kids or I don't know how many kids, but she had two jobs. And he's like, you need to go into your closet for two minutes and sit in silence. She's Mm -hmm. like, I don't have to, or 20 minutes. She's like, I don't have 20 minutes. He's like, well, do what you can. She, she went into her closet every day. She had two minutes Mm -hmm. and she'd sit in there for two minutes. And he checked back in with her a month later and said, how are you doing? She says, you would not believe what those two minutes in the closet by myself did to me. Wow. She's like, everything shifted. Hmm. Other research shows that just two minutes of silence um, can lower blood pressure. And it does a whole list of other things for your health. And so... I try to do that sometimes when my house gets crazy and yeah. I, I know your house gets crazy. Mm-hmm. It's man, there's no space in my house. that's quiet. I'll sometimes go lock myself in the bathroom, turn the fan on and sit on the, sit there on the toilet, not going to the bathroom or okay. going to the no, bathroom. Either or. <laughs> I mean, cause you're painting a picture for us. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sitting, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there so anywhere the I can. Is down and the seat's lid, down. The lid's down. <laughs> it's down. Okay. <laughs> That, let's roll with it. Fully clothed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or you. sometimes, man, I go, I go jump in my truck. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is the only place in my house that's quiet. Yep. My car in the garage. I'll close myself in the car, shut the door. Yeah. And just enjoy the quiet. Nice. And I'll tell you what, like reset. It's like a reset happens. That does it for you, huh? It does it. Yeah. Man, and that's awesome. And so all this really started when you're walking through that that dark night, 2018, you really, that's like your foundation for like realizing, uh, I got to learn to listen to the Lord, like connect in that way. Is that right? Oh yeah. 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 And where did this go? Where did this go from there? Well, before even that, I was on a plane 
a year after my friend died in 2019 in mm -hmm. September, I heard the voice of God speak to me and he said, I want you to write a book on the art of silence. Hmm. And uh, it took me six months and then I started it in March of 2020. Yeah. And so, so from there, what took off because of that is I started researching silence. Oh, cool. I started researching quotes on yeah. silence. I started researching uh, what are all the what are the other authors saying on the on the topic? Right. And um, man, there's so much out there because uh, um, silence is a spiritual discipline. Do you know that also, Ben? Community is a spiritual discipline. I did not know that. I was not aware. <laughs> spiritual discipline could be prayer, meditation, fasting. Yeah. Um, all the things we communion is called a spiritual discipline things that we all in the church see as our norms, right? Yeah. Prayer, worship, fasting, uh, communion. And uh, silence is one, but also community, uh, which is very interesting. Because hmm. I know you like getting into church stuff a little bit. Um, and so in studying silence, I found, like those scriptures I shared earlier, like God loves it when we're quiet. Yeah. There's a scripture in Zephaniah that says he will quiet you. 317, he says he will quiet you with his love. Um, there's a scripture also, I think, Isaiah, it says um, that when we walk right with God, he gives us a quiet confidence. Nice. And so, you know, everyone knows Psalms 4610, be still, know that I am God. Right. Because that whole passage in Psalms 46 is about turbulence and craziness and waves. Yeah. And God's like, be still, be still in the crazy. Yeah. You know, when Jesus was on the boat asleep, his disciples came to him, woke him up, and they said this, do you not care about us? Right. Why would the heart of these disciples say to their rabbi, Guys, who the guy who's been living with them for a couple of years, I would assume at this point, and look into the timing of that. But don't you care about us, right? Because the waves were coming into the boat. So often, when life gets crazy, we ask God that question: Do don't you care about me? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. And it's hard to sit still. And be quiet before God. Yeah. During the crazy. And I had to learn that through a very hard moment in my life. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's changed everything. Did you start getting into, so you said you're reading books about silence and stuff. Like, what are you getting into? Did you get into any of the Stoics or that sort of stuff? Or is it spiritual yeah. stuff? Desert Fathers. Okay. The Mystics. Yeah. Uh, uh, author Henry Nowen. Is really good. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. Okay, he's a really he's got some really good stuff. Yeah, I did a season a couple years back. I guess it was 2020 when I started getting into it too, and um, I started getting into Ryan Holiday. Have you done any of his stuff? It's not like spiritual. It's like stoicism. Oh, okay. But um, I heard of him. But it was good, and that's one thing I liked about your book. So he has a book called The Obstacle is the Way, and then he has one other one that I did too. I did two of his books. Um, 
I think the obstacle was the way was the was the better of the two that I liked. But it was all about um, just finding your peace and and um, stoicism, being still, being silent. Like, and that's one thing that I liked about your book when I uh, when I read it a couple weeks ago is it had a lot of that like holiday type stoicism in it, but it was the the spiritual element that that he doesn't touch on that like teaches you how to connect with God, which is awesome. So your book wasn't just like wasn't just like theoretical. There's a lot of like practical stuff in it as well. That was like, here's what I did in my life. Here's how this helped. And here's how you can apply this to your life to find that peace and find your strength, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I dive into, I dive in a lot into, um, into busyness and, Uh and why I kept myself so busy. Yeah. It's because, there was an inner noise inside of me that I didn't know how to silence. Yeah. And when I was living with fear and inner noise, keeping my life busy kept the inner noise quiet. Yeah. Busy, busy, busy. I don't want to face this thing. Yeah. There's a lot of other reasons that people want to stay busy. It could be one, makes you feel important. Two, you're trying to avoid something. Three, whatever the reason might be, you just always been busy. People tell me all the time, Chris, I'm, I'm too, I'm too busy. Uh, I need to find time to read my Bible. Yeah, find, you're never gonna find time. No one finds time. Time doesn't just. <laughs> it's the difference between finding time and making time. We make time for things. Yeah. I make you make time for work because if you don't, you're not going to have food on the table. Mm-hmm. You make time to have quality time with your wife and kids. Yeah, you're not going to find it. You make it. Yeah, the finding it's rare. It's, there's a rare moment in my life where where something will happen where she is with the kids or something, and I end up being at home before everyone gets home, like a half an hour before everyone. Mm-hmm. It's rare that I'm alone in my house and I'm alone for like half an hour whoa and it, that's like the finding time but it's super rare right yeah it's <laughs> and like and accidental I'm like, it's almost quiet. it's like it's quiet what am i yeah what do i do it's like what an, do i want to do it's Don't more accidental just, yeah than purposeful yeah it's I, was, loud. I was telling my friend about about silence and and we were chatting about it he's yeah. like man it's it's hard to find time to be silent I'm like, there it is again. Yeah. Finding time. You you're will not. Anti, you're an anti-time finder. You're, you're yeah. Make, yeah. You're all about the making the time. No. I'm going back to the back to the future in a weird time flux capacitor. <laughs> Do you know? Did you say flux capacitor? Flux capacitor. Do you I know? I heard flux capacitor. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Do you know Doc in the movie Back to the Future? Everybody knows Doc. He hit his head in the bathroom. And yeah. came up with the flux capacitor. He was, he was in the, he was on the toilet. Yeah, and he hit his head. Just and, and this idea. is my theory that amazing things happen in the bathroom. Amazing things happen in the shower. I'll tell you what: every human being who has a shower or a bathroom is probably the quietest moments in their life mm-hmm. when the shower's on, because your phone's not in your hands. Yeah. There's the white noise of the shower, and you can actually stop and think. And, and if you ask any one of your friends, 
or you ask yourself, when do I get the most inspired? When can I hear some, some of my thoughts the most clearly? And I, I've chatted with friends about it. They're like, dude, you're right. It's in the shower. Yeah. Sometimes it slows some, you down enough. Slows you down. Mm-hmm. Some people can't always sit there and be still. I, I can't. I've, I wrote a book about it and I can't even do it yeah. all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not hearing God clearly right now. Yeah. I'm going to go for a walk. Just this morning, I went for a jog. And I was just hearing God's voice yeah. on my job. I have the hardest time hearing God if I'm trying to hear God. <laughs> it doesn't really work for me that way. Yeah. It's rare that I'm Been if there. I like if I wanna if I wanna answer for something or I'm asking him something, I'll always just like ask and then just go. And then it comes. That's well, wow, that's good. Some way or another. If I'm just gonna sit down and wait for an answer. I don't know if it's ever happened that I just wait for an answer and then it comes. Right. If I'm going to sit down and hang out with God, it's going to be just communion, which for me is like connection, mm-hmm. presence of God. It's just going to be like, like this is my, this is my prayer life. It's like, God, I love you. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Like, and then just like connection out of that. That's to me. That's good. That's, that's a great place that's to what start. prayer is to me. Yeah. I agree. And then if I really need something, like like for last year, we were, we were really like wrestling with this idea of which way to take the business. There's a couple different ways to take it. And for probably like six months, I was back and forth and I couldn't figure out what's the best direction. And so I just asked God and be like, God, we, I need help. Like, what, what are we going to do? And then just wait. But waiting for me is living at peace with not having the answer. And just going about my life, knowing that God will bring the answer and the direction's going to come, mm. but um, I don't have to have it right now. I'll just go with what I know. So sometimes, wow, sometimes good. he'll answer a question. Sometimes he won't. We'll just make a decision out of wisdom or what we want or whatever. Right. But more often than not, if I really have directional need, um, I'll throw it out there and he'll guide. He's good about that. Yeah. I love that. I do everything you just said. I do that as well. Where it's like, you throw it into heaven's lap. Yeah. God, I need whatever. I need a new, like right now I'm looking for a ice chest because I want to get half a cow. Yeah. And I want to put it in an ice chest, but I'm like, I'm not going to pay $800 for, an ice for a brand new ice chest from Costco. I'm going to go on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Wait, where are you getting this cow? I don't know. There's bunch of farms in south carolina you got to go pick it up in an ice chest <laughs> no grab it drive it home throw it in the ice chest the cow yeah you just need a rope <laughs> the cow's dead ben oh. it's been frozen for quite well, a frozen, while frozen 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 yeah okay yeah you gotta specify yeah yeah you know it's only a half hour show i mean i gotta we gotta half keep cow. chop it up throw it in the back yeah um and um, little stuff like that. Right now, I'm praying for a deep freezer. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not paying full price, or I'm looking for one. Yeah, just little stuff like that. I'm like, come what, on. I'm what like, will you pay full price for? Would you like if you go to Taco Bell? Will you pay full price? <laughs> you know, what my mom told me never pay full price for anything. So she okay. Wow. People always are like Chris. Like, why do you always have money in the bank? I'm like, dude, I don't pay full price for anything. <laughs> Chris, are you like? Like, dude, you're always getting sweet deals. And I'm like, I'm always researching yeah. on deals. 
and I'm not paying full price for stuff. Because damn, some that's just most, a core value. Most of that stuff just ends up in the thrift store. You yeah. could buy. My wife found a pair of nine dollar, hundred twenty dollars jeans for nine dollars. Yeah, I'm like, that's the way we're gonna live. This is the way. <laughs> I don't have a hundred twenty dollars to spend on jeans. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We've been into that recently, <laughs> a little more, getting those thrift deals. Mm-hmm. There's some good ones in town too. There's you go over to the west side, you get some good stuff. I'll tell you what, there's a there's a level of humility to be able to say, you know, I go to the thrift store and I buy clothes. Some people yeah. may not want to say that. Yeah, yeah. Loud. If you're if you're focused on the image. Yeah. For me, I'm just like, hey, there's good stuff there and I can go get mm-hmm. like like four four or five pair of shorts for the price of one. Heck I'd rather have man. four than one. That's just good math. But yeah, I think so there's this thing, prayer for me. Years ago, I started I started thinking about it as like a position, rather than just putting something on my lips. Mm-hmm. So, and a great example of that could be like if someone's like, "Hey, let's pray for this guy. He's sick," you know, um, or you're praying for a friend who's who's dying of cancer or something like that. So for me, I have the hardest time just like sitting down and praying for that person for an extended time. Because it's just my words just become meaningless. I'm just like trying to say the right things. Right. And I am so allergic to counterfeit mm. that even when it's in myself, like I hate it, it makes me want to vomit in my mouth. And so I started thinking of prayer differently years back where I was like, all right, if I am praying for something, then that's going to be like a position in my life, almost like a position of faith where you're like, yes, I'm praying for this person to be healed, but it doesn't mean that I'm always saying it. I'm like telling God, talking to God, I want this person to be healed. We need, we need to see breakthrough in this person's life. And then just living my life knowing, like, having faith in God. Mm. And um, it works so much better for me than, like, always trying to talk to him <laughs> about a certain thing. Because if I'm going to talk to God, I just want to connect and have fun. Yeah. I just want to commune and, like, interact with him, his presence, like, mm-hmm. just have a good time. And I don't want to spend hours or half an hour or 10 minutes just like trying to say the same thing over and over to get a result the other thing is um yeah if you start to like when you start to try and do or say something to get a result like that is like the fundamental of of witchcraft or divining like if i do this sort of thing i will receive that so there is spiritual currency there that works. Like divination can work. And like if I, if I fast and pray this way, I will get a result here. There's a spiritual principle that works, and it, and it, and it might work for, uh, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, not a Christian. Like the reason why witchcraft works is because the, the reason there's power in it is because there's a spiritual principle there that works, right? Mm. So, but the issue is, as Christians... We do the exact same thing. I remember when I was first trying to wow. get drunk all the time, and that'll tell you right there, like get, I was trying to get drunk. Um, and by drunk, I mean like an ecstatic state of experience of God's presence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about uh, alcohol because that would be so much easier. <laughs> but I'm, tr- I'm trying to have these experiences, and just a young, immature tr- Christian who has a lot of God on his life, though, 
and is having experiences with God and trying to figure out how to have more. And these are my early days of interacting with God's presence. I would like go into a room, like a church service, that's where I'd probably mostly get drunk. And I was learning to like interact with God on my own, but it was somehow easier in a corporate setting. And I would try to start to experience God. And I would get this headache, like a weird like witchcraft type headache. Wow. Have you ever been anywhere where you know there's witchcraft? And you I've, experience like confusion or a headache or something like that? Yeah. Dark. It just I can tell darkness in a city yeah. when I drive in or fly into a city. You're like, man, it's heavy here. Yeah. yeah. So I've had some moments in my travels in different places interacting with certain people. Great example would be like a witch doctor that I was interacting with in South Africa. And you just have this like certain confusion. You can just tell like, oh, wow, there's something else going on here. So I would get like that type of thing when I go to church. And it took me wow. uh, probably two or three years to realize it was me that I was trying to divine an experience. I was trying to interact with God in a way that would produce uh, a feeling of his presence. And so instead of just like believing who God created me to be, believing that the cross brings us into complete union with him, believing that um, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me and I am you and you're in me and we're one, hmm. um, I would try to experience something. And God is so gracious, like he will allow you to think or, or understand something totally strange and he will still like hook you up. And so God would... You know, he would still be there. He still hooked me up. He would still interact with me. But when I stopped trying to get drunk, trying to interact with God, and realizing, like, no, I'm doing it all the time, like, God has given me that for free. Like, I cannot work to get it. It's just there, and it's real, and it's constant. And if you feel it sometimes, great. If you don't, great. Like, your feelings and your interaction with emotion or whatever, what you're experiencing doesn't change what God said and doesn't change what he does. And so mm. at a certain point in my life, I just completely stopped trying to get drunk. And I just realized like, I'm already there. I, uh, wow. And then, yeah. and then, uh, yeah. And then that whole like experiencing confusion or whatever, like this weird, like headache or confusion that I would get, like trying to experience something. And you were already there. Yeah. I've been there for years. I, I heard this quote and he's, guy's talking about the presence of God. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's not that if the presence of God is here or there, where is it? Yeah. He says the difference is awareness. Mm -hmm. We just need to make ourselves aware that God is with us. Right. Because he's put his spirit in us. Yeah. So that means he's with me here right now. Yeah. And when I tune into that, there's no work involved. Yeah. Just got to tune in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's prayer. You know, Paul says prayer without ceasing. Like, well, how do you do that? You just realize that your life is a prayer. Mm -hmm. Like I am praying right now while I'm talking to you. Whoa, that's a trip. <laughs> yeah, daddy. <laughs> All right. When I hear other people pray, like if I'm at church and I'm like, man, do I got to pray like that? Do I, do I need to pray a certain way? Like I get family text messages like, pray for this, pray for that. I'm right. like, and, and most of my prayers end up sounding like this. God, help them. 
Yeah, please, God. God helped him, and <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yeah. And some other times I feel like, oh, I'm supposed to go after this. Yeah. And my prayer becomes like, Lord Jesus, show up by their bedside and, you know, may your presence be real and known. And, and other times I'm like, I don't, I got nothing. And I want, I just want to say to anyone listening right now, it's okay not to have it all together. For sure. It's okay to be you. And that's, you're a hundred percent you, you're authentic. Yeah. That's what God wants is I was on a jog the other day and he said to me this, he said, Chris, you have my heartbeat. You have my heartbeat. Yeah. And that encouraged me and it liberated me in a, in a powerful way because he's like, you don't have to pray a certain way. Yeah. You don't have to do what you think you need to do in a certain way. Just be you. Yeah. And your your heart's in the right place. And when your heart is in the right place, your your prayers are going to be right because they're coming from a place of a good heart. Yeah. And God challenged me once. I was sitting in a really awkward spot in my life. And I'm like, I'm going to my basement. I think it was 2015. I'm going to my basement and I'm going to hear God. And I'll tell you what, he showed up. But it was 20 minutes of awkward. Really? I sat there in the dark. I've turned the lights down low. And I'm like, God, I want to hear you speak to me. I want to hear you speak to me. Speak to me. So I sat there. And I'll tell you what, I do a chapter in my book called Awkward Silence. Yeah. Because sometimes our silence with God can be really awkward. But I, I encourage you, stay there. I'm going to try that. That has never, I don't think that's ever worked for me once in a while. No, it, it will. All right. It, it'll work. I trust you. I'll tell you what, not every time does it work. I'm doing it. it How won't. many times I got to do it? Um, I'm going to read a quote, and, and it's going to make sense about, about this. Okay. Let's get that quote going. Henry Nouwen. Who I mentioned earlier. Yeah, because if I have to do it like 30 times. Freaking Henry Nouns. I'm, I'm like, I might be angry with you. You might get an angry phone call. Be like, hey, bro, I did oh, your awkward. Okay, he says this. <laughs> awkward, yes. Be sh- he says, be sure to taste the moment to the full. The Lord reveals himself to where you are most fully present. Okay. Be sure to taste the moment to the full. The Lord reveals himself to you where you are most fully present. You ever been in church and 80% of you is not there? Oh, yeah. You ever talk to someone and you're thinking about the next thing you're going to say? You're not present. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about what you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Full, really listening to God and listening to others. Richard Foster says, uh, we learn how to hear God better when we learn to listen to others first. We, we learn to listen to people, then we will learn to hear God. So I want to encourage you. You want to hear God's voice? Yeah. Become an incredible listener. Chapter two in my book talks about the six levels of listening. And it's not just hearing. It's hearing and then coming back with a response. And, and, and it's like, it it's goes like this. Ben, now what yes. I hear you saying is, da-da-da-da-da, is that correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm showing you that I'm listening. I'm processing and I'm bringing it back to you saying, I've heard you. Is mm-hmm. this really what you were saying? So when we come and sit and listen to God, actually stop, be fully present, not thinking about work or if your phone's blowing up. Mm-hmm. I put my phone away. I put it, my, fo- my phone sits in a drawer in my kitchen at all times. And it's always on silent. 
Not everyone has that luxury, but I have that luxury. It's on silent and it's in a drawer. So I don't want to look at it because when I look at it, I want to grab it. Mm -hmm. And so it sits in a drawer in my kitchen. And when I want to go to it, I can't. So here's the thing. When I sit before God, I'm fully present. Yeah. I try to be 100% present. If I sit there and my mind is somewhere else, it's going to, it will actually distract from hearing him. Hmm. So, so that one night in the basement, I'm sitting there, my God, I want to hear you speak to me. I'm going to sit here until you say something. I'm like, just come, come. And I sat there in the dark room. And I heard this. I, I, I closed my eyes and I saw a picture of a rose. And from the center of the rose came this beaming light. And I heard this voice say, your heart is pure. And why was that important to me? Because I didn't believe my heart was pure. Right. You know, growing up in the church, you always hear the man's heart is wicked above all things. Right. Right. People, we got to get this. We got to get this thing. But Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Yeah. That means we have the ability to have a pure heart. Who gives us a pure heart? Jesus does. Right? Yeah. So when we get saved, our heart is then pure. And then we can see God. But I still didn't believe my heart was pure. Hmm. And so when I get quiet, he always speaks to the very thing I don't believe about myself. I asked him one day, God, what do you think about me? I talked to another guy about this. He's like, dude, I can't ask God that question. Hmm. I can't ask God what he thinks about me. I'm afraid of what I will hear. Yep. But if you believe God is bad or angry at you, you actually will think he's going to say something bad. Yeah. But if you believe he's good and all he's perfect, then he will tell you, God has never told me anything that has put me down in my character. He has never told me anything that made me feel bad. He always told me something that made me look at my life differently and better about myself. So I asked God one day, what do you think about me? I was reading John Eldridge's Wild at Heart. And he said, ask God what he thinks about you and sit and wait until you get an answer. I sat there. I'm like, God, I will sit here for 24 hours until I hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and thankfully within two minutes, I heard this phrase. I said, God, what do you think of me? He said, you are a man of God. What is that? Why is that important to me? Years earlier, my best friend's dad, my best friend who passed away, his dad would always say to me, hey, man of God. Hey, man of God. Every time I come over his house, hey, man of God, good to yeah. see you. Good to see you, man of God. And I'm like, why does he keep calling me that? Because I didn't believe it about myself. Yeah. What does is, what is God want to speak to inside of us? The things you don't believe about yourself. Mm. When you get quiet with him, only he can answer that question. No human on earth a prophetic human can see that in you and tell it to you, but if you, some of us, we actually need to hear it from God yeah, directly. Yeah. And that's why we need to get quiet. We need to hear what he wants to tell us. Yeah. And some of us won't go there because we're afraid that he's going to say something that we're not going to want to hear. Yeah. I want to tell you, Something else he told me. I was sitting in church once when we moved to Charleston. 
and I was, we were church shopping, right? Yeah. <laughs> you ever shop for a church, Ben? Uh, no. So this is the first time I'm like, man, usually I like know someone in the community. They're right. like, hey, go to this church. I didn't know nobody Yeah. at the time. Someone tipped me off to a church later on, but I went to five different churches. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay. They only did two songs. I like longer worship. <laughs> you know, I'm not going there. Yeah. This other, I'm like, their songs are too much about the devil. I'm yeah. not going to that church. We don't need devil songs. <laughs> it wasn't really worship. It was like warfare. Okay. My God, you know, that's great. I'm sure they're doing great things for the community. It's not for me. Yeah. I went to this other one. They didn't have their own building. I'm like, they're meeting in, you know, rental spaces. I went and sat down and I was super judgmental. Mm. I'm like, the sound sucks. Worship's like, eh. The sound was like not EQ'd well and it was like piercing my ears. So I was like mm. complaining, grumpy. I'm like, the sermon was, eh. no one's greeted me. I found all the negative things. Mm -hmm. and, and what I found myself doing was I was comparing my church shopping experience, I compared it to all the other best things I've experienced in different churches. Okay. So I came, I came to the church with this mentality. Oh, this church back in California had the best children's ministry I went to. This church in Arizona I went to had the best worship experience I've ever experienced. This church in Florida I went to had the best men's group I experienced. And I put all those in my mind of this is my status of what you need to compare. I was comparing everything to all my perfect experiences yeah. in a church. So I came in with that mindset, like impress me, impress me. And I heard the voice of God tell me in worship, this is what I heard him say. Ishmael lost his way. Ishmael lost his way and i'm like that is not something i want to hear from god right i don't know what that means yeah <laughs> a week later i'm like what is this god what is this i start reading on ishmael in the bible you know isaac and ishmael right so in isaac i found this scripture and it made sense isaac when he was two years old they the the jewish people do a ceremony where they wean the baby off their mother's breast and they have a celebration. There's actually a party. Yeah, Isaac's not on. <laughs> Isaac's not milking anymore. Like they celebrate <laughs> it, right? Yeah. Like that is a weird. Yeah. Basame can do a, a <laughs> ice cream. No, we would never celebrate anyone getting off a of dairy. <laughs> That's against our core values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just like celebration of you're not you're not uh, breastfeeding anymore. Yeah. Wow. Not, that's I, not that's not for us. No. Okay. So <laughs> there's this breastfeeding. Uh, you're you're not breastfeeding anymore. Party that'd be a great party to start starting here in the U.S. Right? Uh -huh. It's weird to me. Anyway, so in the scripture, Ishmael is mocking. Mm. He's mocking Isaac, two year old Isaac, and Ishmael. I think at the time was like third between thirteen and sixteen, yeah. I believe, or twelve. I don't know, but he's like a young teenager, and he's mocking. Isaac and the Lord's like that's you oh wow I was mocking this my church experience because it didn't fit into my box of what I wanted wow so Ishmael lost his way because he was mocking and 
so often we walk into churches and I've talked with friends about it and they all agree with me. I'm like, Chris, they're like, Chris, I do that too. Hmm. Walk in, we're like, worship was okay. Sermon was so, so I'm only here because of my friends Mm -hmm. or flip those things around. I don't know a lot of people here, but worship and sermon are great. And so I had to check my own heart and the Lord is still checking me on like, why was I so judgmental? Why did I come? Why did I come from this place of impress me? Hmm. <laughs> Cause I lost my way, man. Yeah. How often do we find one error in a church and, and, you know, so many people are like, want to find an error in that, in this Asbury revival thing. Yeah. I mean, some people call it revival. Some people call it renewal. Uh, people get hung up on words. Some people just call it a worship service. Whatever you want to call it, I don't care. But they get hung up on something. They find error. We find error. I come, I come across some people like that on Twitter who are writing about it and being like, hey, we got to make sure we discern what's going on there and, you know, looking for this or that. And I just care. I just care none. Like, I care not at all. Yeah. God's presence. Is God's presence there? I don't care. Sweet. I don't care if someone finds an issue with anything. Like, it really doesn't matter to me. And so when I was, like, reading past them, I'm like, all right, have fun. Like, I have no time for that. Yeah, man, people, people, like, I, I walked into that church critical, yeah. right? Criticizing. And people just love to criticize. Like, and I had this, oh, they is, do. Which is sad. I had this great experience um, years ago. I was going to some friends of ours church and in San Luis Obispo. And I walked into the church and everybody was really like happy to see us. It was like the most joyful place, just like all this charisma. And people would be like, hey, it's your first time. Like who brought you and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, this place is magical. Like people care about you so much. I couldn't believe it. And about 15 minutes into it, I started to see it for what it was. I started to like see through it and it wasn't even like a spiritual thing. It was just like, Oh wait, I know what's going on here. What was going on? The whole church was set up like a multi-level marketing business. Oh, I heard you talk about this. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and everybody would bring people and they'd get like points and get credit for bringing people. And I started to, started to see this happening. I'm like, that's why everybody's asking me who brought me. Cause somebody's going to get, Oh no. They had like some sort of a point system. And I, and I suddenly started to get creeped out by it. I'm like, Whoa, this is weird. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he was like, Ben, I do not need you to judge whether this is right or wrong. He's like, you're here to love. And I was like, Oh Wow. That's amazing. Like, I don't have to care at all about how this structure is set up. It does not matter to me if this system is burning people out or using people, which those sorts of things can do that. These are my concerns. Like, you're just, you're just using people to create numbers in this system and all this sort of stuff. These are things that I do care about in life and in church. Um, but I just, God just gave me permission to not judge. And since then, like, I don't have to, like, walk into church and judge at all. Like, it doesn't matter to me what's going on there. I'm just there to connect with people. 
Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I found myself wanting my leaders to be perfect. Oh. And, uh, and someone, someone said to me the other day, like, Chris, they're like, I know our leaders, this leader's going to make a mistake. But that, you know what? That, that happens. They're going to make a mistake. Right. He's like, look at their heart. Do you know their heart? This person has a good heart and yeah. I trust them. Yeah. Even through the mistakes. We get hung up on the mistakes. I do all the time. Right. I'm like, they did this. I didn't feel honored there. This happened. You know, I felt disrespected and you, we get hung up on feeling hurt. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like that person's statement made me really think about, I had to, I had to relook at some things in my heart and say, no, that person's heart is actually, I know them. Their heart is good. Right. Why would they ever want to hurt me? Right. And um, you know what? They can't cross every T and dot every I. Right. Because there's hundreds of people these churches leaders got to look after. And yeah. they're, you know what? They're going to mess up. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're going to mess up. And we need to be okay with that. Right. And take them off a pedestal and remember they're human. Yeah. And um, and so there's that scripture, you know, judge nothing before the appointed time. I, I got to say, sometimes I'm judgy of people who are like, oh, I do online church. Yeah. Why would you be judgy of that? So there's the, I don't, maybe, maybe judgy is not the right word, but it's like, I'm like, uh, I'm more like, oh, that's interesting. How does that, how is that going to work? Okay. Right. I guess my perspective is more uh, curious Yeah. in a non-judgy way. <laughs> that's more clear. <laughs> it's like, how does so that. Non, non-judgmental curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, critical. Critical. Yeah. Critical. So let me explain myself for you. you throw me into the bus is i'm on the verge of judging you yeah. so please bring so, it yeah. back around yeah. so so spiritual discipline is community why is community wrapped up in the category of spiritual discipline i don't know because community takes work ah. someone said to me this and this all came clear to me and this is what helped free my perspective is chris when someone's sitting at home and they're looking at church through a screen yeah no one can see what they're going through. No one can see their face. But when they're in person with people, you can actually see like, oh, you know, if I saw you come to church and you looked exhausted and drained, I'd be like, Ben, you look kind of tired. Are you okay? Yeah. That's what community is for. Right. I'm not saying you have to do it on a Sunday. What I'm saying is we need community. We need yeah. people who can, that, that, are walking with us in our faith that can be like, Hey dude, how are you doing? Yeah. Like I, and, and actually see our faces. I, I just thought it was an incredible point because I can't see a person on the other side of the screen, how they're doing, which is why we come together. Why community is important. Mm-hmm. Another friend said to me, he's like, you know, I want to, I don't want to go to the regular church anymore. I want to do church like Paul used to do it in, in homes. Mm-hmm. I want to go to a home church. Let's do home church. And then I heard this this comment made in a teaching. They're like, do you know why home churches were so big in the early church? Because if they met in a synagogue or a temple, they'd probably get killed. Mm-hmm. They were persecuted. Yeah. They had to go hide. That's why there's no churches 
in an area like China, right. they have to they have to meet in homes or they will die. Yeah, which we're not experiencing that today, so we don't know it. But we're like, I want church the way Paul did it. Like people are, they want to de church and and go into a small group. And and you know what? I know people, their church is in their home, and I think that's okay. I'm okay with that. My encouragement to people who are doing online stuff is, do you have community, right? Do you yeah. have people in your life who can look you in the face and see what you're, how, how, you, how you're actually doing eye to eye? Yeah. So that's your metric when you're talking about church, like what are you doing for church or whatever? This is just what I'm processing through. Uh-huh. I don't know the answer. Yeah. But it's like, I think it's a great point that that person brought up is, you know, yeah. Yeah. When people actually see me, I talk differently to you face to face than I do on the phone. Right. There's more vulnerability going to come out. Totally. When I'm with you. Yeah. Are, right. Are you all still church shopping or you found a place? Yeah, we or, found a spot. Oh, you got a church now. Yeah. Nice. And so, you know, do I still wrestle with what is church? Oh, yeah. Ooh, what does that look like? Let me into that wrestling match. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll, I'll, lead, I'll lead that in with this. I sat with God one day and I said, I, said, um, I said, God, what's my purpose? And when I was asking him that question, yeah. my thought was, what do you want me to do in church or in ministry? Okay. So I said, what's my purpose? I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he said, I said, what's my purpose? He said, your purpose is to be loved. Yes. The very next day I asked the same question. What do you want me to do? Like I didn't get the point he was making the day before. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, stop asking me that. He said it very emphatically. Stop asking me that and seek my face. Hmm. And so when you think if you, if you tie that into the scripture, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, yeah. all these things will be added to you as well. What he's saying, like, dude, stop asking me what you can do. I don't need your do. Chris, I don't need you to do anything. I just want you to let me love you. Yeah. And when we can let God love us, we can just seek his face, seek being his friend. All these things are going to work themselves out. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had a friend who was church shopping 10 years ago in the Seattle area. Probably went to five, six, seven, eight churches. They ended up at our church. And he told me this a year later. He's like, do you know why I picked our church, the church we're at? He's like, God told me to go there. He's like, you know what? I didn't want to go there. Hmm. He's like, me and my wife, we thought eh, it was okay. Preaching was okay. Worship was okay. But he's like, God told us to go there. Mm. And so that is my encouragement to me, to you, Ben, to anyone hearing right now is, what is God telling you to do? What is he asking of you? You may not want to do something or go to a church or whatever might be in your life. And the Lord's like, no, 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 you need to be there. And so the, the key is this. Not where you go or what you do. It's what is God asking of you? What's he saying? What does he want? Yeah. 
my friend didn't want to go to that church. And God's like, I want you to go there. And so that's the struggle. Like I'm wrestling with that. What if I didn't want to go somewhere? And God's like, no, I actually want you to go there. Will I be obedient? I, did I want? Did I think that I had the confidence and courage and ability to write, actually write a book? No. Deep in my heart, did I want to write one? Yes. Yeah. But I wrote it in obedience. You nailed it too, though. That's a good book. It's, great it's my heart that. on it's my heart on paper, man. Yeah, it's it is nice. my heart on paper. It's I, my story. I loved it. I really enjoyed it, and I told you right after I read it. There's that situation you come across when your friend does something artistically, like whoever your friend is, or you're at a party or whatever, and they're like, hey, you know, my boy's going to play a song, and your heart just jumps in your throat, and you're like, oh, let's listen to this guy play a song. You know, and then have you ever had that moment happen where someone plays a song and they sing and it's good? Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, what's that hidden talent in you, dude? I'm about to be honest right now? I thought I was about to find something nice to say about someone and that's what it was like when i read your book i'm like what this was awesome this this struck a chord in my heart and now i get to call chris on the phone and tell him like bro you nailed it you wrote a great book you waited till the right moment you went through some shit in life and you found jesus within that and then you walked it out with god and then you put it in a book in a way that i can digest it Mm. and it means something to me yeah dude it's a very simple read yeah, and it's a very you, simple read. But you have to and there's but you have to do heart work. You do? It's there's heart work stuff. Yeah, and you got the audio book. You can find it on Audible too. Um yeah. and you can buy the paperback, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Ebooks on there. What's it called? It's called Silence. What is it? Silence what? Silence the Art of Stillness. Style <clears throat> by Chris Cordaro. Silence the Art of Stillness. And you read it yourself, which is cool. You did a great mm-hmm. job with that. You got that voice. Um, what is silence? So, Chapter one. Tell me about it. it. It's like that. Silence is so freaking loud. <laughs> I was once at an extremely loud concert. Were Everyone you in the around me was screaming right now. and pressing into me in the crowd of people. And the security guard pulled me out of the crowd. It took me 30 minutes to regain my composure. Damn. I remember that. I remember that part of the book. It's awesome <laughs> that you just have it like right oh, here. Uh, How far can you go? Can you do the whole book? <laughs> and, and then, and then and I then. went to In-N-Out and the Lord said, double, double, your double, double. <laughs> what does that even mean? Quadruple, your quad max, double, double. I love it. Anyway, I was thinking like you were talking a minute ago just about like what is double, God asking you to do? Double, double. And you were saying it. I want that food right now. We're about to eat some brisket, I believe. Mm, yeah. Well, um, what was God asking me? Yeah. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Like, what is God asking you to do? You were, you were talking about it relative to church. Yeah. What do you want like, me to do in, in yeah. church or in ministry? Yeah. He said, he said stop at, yeah. Yeah. He, I was thinking about it. To be, I, your purpose is to be loved. Yeah. Right. And which is interesting because that, I, I got that from the Lord, that exact same thing. Yeah. Like, why, what is your purpose in life? No, 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 it wasn't that. It was, who are you? Mm. And um, and the Lord was like, was I can't remember. It was partly, partly through a song that I realized it, but he was like, you are loved. That is the fundamental question of who you are. So often in the church, we say, let's fulfill the Great Commission. 
let's go out into the whole world, preach the gospel. Yeah. I think we need to fulfill the greatest commandment before we fulfill the great commission. Love the Lord your God. Heart, so mind, love your neighbors yourself. Here's the problem with that. A lot of people don't love themselves. And how can you love mm-hmm. your neighbor? How can you love the Great Commission if you can't love yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Some people are stuck at the cross. Some people are stuck at the tomb, but we need to get into the upper room. How do you do that? You got to let go of your fears. Yeah. Stop being scared of what God might or might not say to you. Yeah. Get into the quiet, scary, awkward places with God. Start asking crazy questions you've never asked before. What do you think about me? What are you doing in me today? Yeah. God, who, what do you want to be in my life today? Who do you want to be in my life today? Yeah. Start asking God questions, and they may not come right then. They might come through somewhere else. But we need to start getting in awkward space with God and see what happens. Nice. That's what I had to do. I'm going to do it. That's my takeaway from this. I'm going to go. I'm going to get awkward with the Lord. Go get awkward with God, man. Dude, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm going to get quiet. and um, Start asking questions because I noticed. I, I, I noticed this. Why don't I hear God right now? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I stopped asking questions. Yeah. And when I start asking questions, that's when I start hearing him. Nice. What is my purpose? Yeah. What do you want me to do? Who are you to me right now? Love it. All right. Let's leave it there. Yeah, bro. I'm going to go do it. Pound chicka pound now. Go find the book, Silence the Art of Silence the the art of stillness. The stillness of art. The, the stillness, art of stillness of the art of silence. The silencing your silence, your loud thoughts. Yeah. The noise. <laughs> That's awesome. Go get his book. Go check it out. Can people connect with you? Where are you on Instagram? What do you want? I'm on Insta. Yeah. What is it? What's your handle? Uh, Chris C H R I S underscore. Okay. Cornaros K O R N A R O S. Go find it, guys. Find Chris. Get the book. All right, guys. Thanks, y'all. See you later. Thank you.